0: And uh, Matt O'Brien joins us. Now, he's the research director at FAIR. I met him at on the show. Hey, Matt, how you doing, man? Matt.
1: Hi, I lost you there for a minute. Oh, that's how okay. are you
0: doing? I'm doing okay, man. I had you on uh, when I was in Washington, D.C. a couple months ago. You're fantastic. And now I see you're in, the, you're in the middle of this story as a guy that is bringing to light uh, how corrupt uh, the, the whole DACA application process is, huh?
1: Yeah, and the important thing to keep in mind is I was the head of the National Security Division within the, the Fraud Detection and National Security Directorate. So by the time that a DACA case got to me, and there were very few of them that did, you were looking at the absolute worst people, so people with connections to terrorism and so on and so forth. Um, the majority of these were adjudicated on paper in the field without so much as an interview, which is scary.
0: Holy crap. So there are people that were approved they got DACA status to stay here legally work whatever it is without fear of deportation that had ties to terror
1: there were people with ties to terror there were people with gang affiliations there were people with criminal records Uh, the whole program was just a, a giant funnel for fraud
0: now who gave the order to give the people that have obviously these ties the okay to stay here
1: Well, the whole program seems to have been set up to excuse any bad activities by any of the people covered under the program. So there was a significant amount of pressure from the White House on down to approve these. Uh, USCIS, for example, sent out a memorandum telling field managers not to deny any applications because people did not have an identity document and could not prove who they were.
0: What? So these people couldn't prove who they were, had no identity... And the White House said, doesn't matter, give them the green light. They can stay.
1: That's correct. I mean, it was a clear attempt to achieve an amnesty by executive fiat. And if you look at the statistics for the approvals, there were about 800,000 applications total, and there was about an 88 to 89% approval rate. That's shocking. You don't get that in any other immigration program.
0: Now, do you think that anybody has brought this up to President Trump? I'm just a guess. Um, I mean, I know you, you can't really know, but I'm just curious.
1: Uh I I'm not sure. I tend to believe that with his positions on immigration if he was aware of these facts, he would be significantly less likely to push for an amnesty for these folks.
0: Do you believe anybody in Congress now knows what you just said?
1: I I believe there are a few um who have been been taking this seriously. There have been hearings. There were people from uh USCIS Pulled up onto the hill to talk about these things when the program was first rolled out. The problem is nobody put their foot down and said enough. This is unconstitutional. We can't have this happening.
0: Uh, Matt O'Brien is who you're listening to. He's the head research director at Fair Federation for American Immigration Reform now, but he was you had a hell of a title. What's that title he had with uh, USCIS?
1: I was the uh, chief of the National Security Division within the Fraud Detection and National Security Directorate.
0: Wow. I'm going to let you say that. Because that's, that's a hell of a business card, Matt. I mean, did it, did it, did it say that on there?
1: Uh, it, it, it did. It was a fairly impressive business card, and it was a very interesting job, and I was privileged to serve with a lot of great people.
0: Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. So, um, I mean, just guessing. You now, I've heard 800,000 DACA recipients, but then I saw that the official number given out just like a few days ago by USCIS was right now there are 699,000 and change uh, people here that have DACA status. Does that sound uh, right to you?
1: That sounds about right. Um, the problem is that doesn't give the whole picture because there were provisions for these people's immediate relatives to be granted benefits under DACA. So it's the whole usual chain migration problem oh. that we have in the United States.
0: And it's never talked about, ever.
1: Uh, Very rarely is it spoken about, but I think the majority of the American public doesn't understand this. We, We have this nation of immigrants myth that is persisted in when the reality is there are a lot of people coming here with dubious qualifications who come here with their handout and engage in significant amounts of fraud in order to get the benefits that the US offers and the the problem with an amnesty and with programs like DACA is you are rewarding people who have engaged in bad behavior and we all know that rewarding bad behavior just gets more bad behavior
0: yeah it does so let's just say there's 700,000 people right now currently with the DACA permits And, and, and as soon as they get DACA all of a sudden our government's like or they say, "Oh, by the way, I have parents, I got a brother, I got a sister, I got grandparents, and just like that, they can be legal in this country as well, or lawful
1: Well, there's a process they have to apply uh and get a visa number and then wait in line outside of the United States uh but there is a preference system, so it depends on how close the relative is, so for uh individual spouses who are abroad uh for individuals. Biological children who are broad you're going to see a huge spike in numbers of people coming here who are have suddenly become eligible through a primary relative being granted some type of amnesty pursuant to daca
0: well is there any i mean any idea how long that takes a month, a week, six months a year?
1: Well, it depends on which country you're in. If you're in some place like the Philippines, it's going to take a lot longer than if you're in some place like Norway. But that's one of the big problems with the immigration program overall and with amnesty. Why, yeah, why is that? Why,
0: why is that? Why would it take longer? Uh, someone from Norway can get over pretty quickly, but someone from the Philippines can't.
1: Uh, because there are per-country caps okay. for people coming into the United States, and our system uses uh, a series of preference categories to enable people to come in so if you are in a low preference in a country that's oversubscribed like india or the philippines your wait can be as long as ten or fifteen years sometimes longer
0: so what about what about like mexico or guatemala those kinds of countries because that that's basically where all the daca people are from
1: that's correct so what frequently happens um... with special programs like this is the legislation will monkey around with the preference categories and allow people to cut the line. It remains to be seen how that will all play out. and I think right now nobody really knows how many people are likely to become eligible to come into the country on this program, because essentially at this point we have a non-status that was made up by President Obama that has been given to these folks and all they really get is the government saying we're not going to deport you right now and we'll give you a work permit. So you now have a bunch of legislators and courts and other people acting like this is some type of a formal status. And if they go ahead and institutionalize that through amnesty legislation, pretty much anything could happen.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, this, uh, this is insane stuff. Uh, this, is, this is just crazy. Uh, Matt O'Brien, again, right now is the head of research for the Federation for American Immigration Reform. He's on KNST, AIM 790, and he had this really long title. When he worked for uh, United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, where he's like the head of the chief guy in charge of like fraud and things that are bad, pretty much, right? That's
1: yeah, national security and things that are bad. There you go. I, I
0: mean, honestly, that, that's just that's all. It, it's crazy. It's a lot of stuff there. Uh, but uh, in, in all seriousness, okay, so we we have all this now. Let, let's just say there's seven hundred thousand. Forget the relatives right now. Seven hundred thousand people that have the DACA status. I don't know if you can figure this out or or you can estimate. I mean, how many of those people do you think actually really fit the description of what a DACA recipient should be, which is someone that was brought here and they uh, they aren't uh, a gang member or a terrorist or a criminal or anything like that, and they are doing the academic side that is required. How many of those seven hundred thousand do you think actually exist?
1: It's really tough to say because so little information was collected on these people. However what I observed and what I discussed with my colleagues who worked on fraud issues and still work in field offices is that there was a significant amount of fraud with things like people's educational requirements because they were supposed to prove that they had a high school diploma Mm -hmm. and there were issues with age and identity fraud. You had people that had adult children at the time that they were applying so it was virtually impossible for them to be under the age limit so based on all of that, I would say that it was a 40 to 50% fraud rate. However, I have spoken with adjudicators who work in the field who have said they thought it was much higher.
0: So this whole thing was just a gigantic sham. I mean, they really is. I, shouldn't it be there? I mean, this is where it's frustrating is that, okay, I'm a talk show host in Tucson. You're a guy that works in D.C. Now you were involved in this uh, in, in a very deep way, in a very connected way. We know about it. Our audience knows about it. But why do the people that actually get to make it a rule or a law or not not know about it, or are they just ignoring
1: well, I, it? I think that the, the Department of Homeland Security has become overloaded with people who ascribe to the Obama left-leaning agenda on immigration. So when you hear people talking about these deep state things, that's really not as as dark and scary as it sounds. It's just saying there are a lot of bureaucrats that were hired at a previous date, Mm. and their political opinions may not line up with the current administration. And I think the Trump administration may not understand How deep it has to go in making changes if it wants to avoid these problems. Um, Perfect example is PJ Media did a a piece uh, a couple of years ago called Amnesty Incorporated. And at the beginning of the Obama administration, the Office of the Chief Counsel at USCIS hired a group of like 32 people, all of whom had backgrounds with organizations like the National Council of La Raza, Mm -hmm. LULAC, the National Lawyers Guild. And these are not people who are going to give good advice about how to proceed in complicated legal situations, because their mentality is it's not over until the alien wins.
0: How do you get this information to Jeff Sessions? I mean, Jeff Sessions, chief of staff with Stephen Miller, he's one of Trump. He's like the chief speechwriter and a, and a senior advisor to Trump. I mean, I know they have ties to Fair. How do you, I mean? You should. How do you guys? How do you not get this information to the attorney general? Or they just they just don't want to deal with it right now because they want to get something done. If they bring more attention to this, then everybody make it. They won't be able to make a deal for the wall or or uh, or the Rays Act or anything like that.
1: Well, Jeff Sessions is one of the the few people in government that understands this really well. Yes, exactly. And has, has a deep and abiding knowledge. Um, I think at this point. This administration came in with the best of intentions and has been so hobbled by people who simply dislike the notion of Donald Trump being president that they're trying to show that they can govern effectively and they need to do something in order to to accomplish that objective. So I I think they may be thinking that a good strategy is to kind of trade this for the wall. But given the Democrat and, and, and the Rhino contingents uh, past in, in dealing with these kind of issues, I don't think there's any reason to believe that they're going to bargain in good faith. So we may wind up with the exact same situation we have with the '86 amnesty, mm-hmm. where we get a bunch of amnesty illegal aliens, a bunch of people heading to the U.S. because they believe they'll be able to benefit from the next amnesty and absolutely no increases in security.
0: That's lovely. Um, just to wrap up, the big giant news is the fact that United States citizenship and immigration services never actually verified what was on the applications that people put on applications for DACA status. That's basically what it is, right?
1: Uh that's what it is. I mean this was a rack'em and stackem program. There was a president with a specific agenda and the clear message from the White House and from the heads of the agency was let's take these in let's give it a facade of legitimacy and let's approve as many of these as possible
0: do you think any applications were actually looked over and examined and questioned and people questioned
1: there certainly were a small percentage of applications where there was blatant evidence that someone was involved in gangs organized crime or had national security concerns that were looked at in depth. Now, whether the recommendations to deny those were taken or not, it's hard to say because there was a very small number of these cases that were denied. The ones that were denied were almost uniformly the most egregious examples of people who presented a threat to public safety.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you are, but I mean, there aren't too many immigration hawks. And it sucks you have to say that. It's like if you actually want to enforce immigration law, Apparently, you're a hardliner and you're a hawk, which makes no sense to me. Um, but a guy like Steve King, I don't know who else in Congress would actually go, with, go public with this information. I know you've done, you've done interviews with national websites and talk shows. I hope you do cable news and that kind of stuff. But, um, I, I mean, how, how do we get this information out to these people so there's not just a gigantic mistake or you think it's going to happen anyway?
1: I, I think it may happen anyways because there's a narrative that somehow – enforcing immigration law is a violation of civil rights and it's being mean to people and that's an argument that's not made in any other context you don't hear anybody arguing we really shouldn't put this guy in jail for burglary because he's a good dad and he has a bunch of kids and yet everyone accepts that argument within immigration Mm -hmm. i guess the good news in this situation is my experience in working both at well, at the old INS and then at ICE and USCIS, is there are a lot of good enforcement-minded people who care about these things, who are still working for the government. The problem is we need to get them empowered to actually take the actions they need to take with regard to these cases.
0: Do you just shake, Matt, uncontrollably when you see some knucklehead senator or congressman on TV and they talk about amnesty? Let's protect these kids, all this other I mean, because you're just sitting there going, you're you're a guy that's getting paid a lot of money. You get sweet benefits, lifetime pension, lifetime benefits, and you're clueless as hell. That or you're a liar. Do you not just shake? Do you not get mad? Because when I met you, you were a very nice guy. I don't see you getting mad, but you have to get mad at that.
1: I yell and scream at the TV. I mean, it's unbelievably frustrating. The problem is this extends beyond just the DACA program. When I was the Chief of National Security at FDNS, we had a woman who was um, of an Iranian background who applied for citizenship. We found, based on her travel pattern in her application, information that she provided to us thinking that we wouldn't notice that she had been in Iran for the Islamic Awakenings Conference, which is iran's way of uniting with the Muslim world and encouraging people from that community to do bad things in other countries we looked on YouTube and found her chanting death to america with the ayatollah and the office of chief counsel at USCIS didn't want us to deny her citizenship application because they said it was a free speech issue
0: holy crap even though she wasn't an american citizen And she wasn't doing it in America. It was somehow a free speech issue.
1: That's correct. So these are mentalities that we have to overcome. And it does make me crazy when I watch these things.
0: How have we survived this long with this kind of inept stupidity?
1: We have enough people still, but their numbers are dwindling, who are good at their jobs working in DHS who catch a lot of this. We also have some fantastic folks at the FBI and in the intelligence community. But the problem is, if those people aren't backed up by the legislators in the United States, they're never going to be able to do the job effectively, and we're going to wind up with another 9-11 type attack. My God.
0: Speaking of that, real quick, isn't it amazing? I mean, all these guys, Republicans, Democrats, bunch of jackholes. We're 16 years now on Monday from 9-11, and some of the terrorists were here illegally, but not because they crossed the border, but because their visa expired. And even 16 years later, these geniuses haven't been able to come up with an idea or a theory or somehow a way to actually track people when they're here on a
1: visa. It's insanity. And, I mean, if you look at it, the U.S. visit system, which was the uh, U.S. uh, visitor indicator and status technology system was mandated in the wake of 9-11, and it's only just been effectively implemented by the Department of Homeland Security. So the fact is that the men and women, all hardworking U.S. citizens who are responsible for protecting the American public cannot do the job that they're required to do unless we give them the tools to do it. And that means effective sources of information, but also the legal authority to deport, arrest, try all of these people who are up to no good in the United States.
0: Man, it's crazy. It is crazy. Uh, Matt, thank you for uh, telling us this. I'm, I'm, again. I feel like I should start drinking, and I have an hour and a half left on the show. <laughs> uh, well, thank
1: you for having me on.
0: Do, you know, you you are an expert at this, and I hope to God that somebody that actually cares. This is why I hate every single politician because they don't care. And this is like a primary issue. This is like a bit. Don't talk about you know having to make sure that kids get free school lunches. No, 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 no. This is a primary issue. What the government should be doing and nobody is contacting you going, how do we fix this? How do we fix well, Nobody has, have they?
1: When we have a safe country that's not overloaded with people who are dependent upon public assistance and who don't have the best interests of the United States at heart, if we get rid of those people, that means that we have more resources available to provide school lunches for American kids. And I don't understand why legislators don't understand these things.
0: Yeah, Bought and sold evil, evil people. Uh, Matt O'Brien, head research director at FAIR, Federation for American Immigration Reform. Matt, thank you so much for the time, man, and I hope you have a uh, a great weekend. Thank you. You too. All right. How about that? How about that? You get that information all the time. This is craziness, isn't it? So when you, you hear that jackhole that's running for uh, governor here, Democratic uh, candidate David Garcia, who thinks that everything is hunky-dory, we've got to give a s- straight-up amnesty to the DACA people, Oh my God. You could comment. 880 KNST eight eight zero five six seven eight. Uh we'll continue your reaction. And if you missed it, I mean, I want to play again. Just how dumb that, that idiot is, that ASU professor that's running for governor. We'll play for you the highlight of the integrated from a couple of a couple of days ago. It never happened to me ever, ever, ever before on on air or off air. It's, we'll get to that coming up. K N S T AM seven ninety two sounds most stimulating talk.